Are you guys happy and joyful? The Lord is good. Amen. Um, I have a I have a word that the Lord spoke to me this week, and I need to share it with you. It's uh, timely, important, and uh, we're going to start in the book of Revelations. So if you can go to Revelations 13, and let me know when you're there, please. Amen. Amen. We're going to read in verse 4, Revelations 13, 4. Uh, the word says, I have NLT version. Uh, the word says, they worshipped the dragon for giving the beast such power. And they also worshipped the beast. And they said this, who is as great as the beast? They exclaimed, who is able to fight against him? Amen? Or not amen, actually? To be honest. All right, turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 15. And do a little something different today. Just go to two places to start. Exodus 15. Let me know when you're there, please. Are you there? Exodus 15. Verse 11. NLT version. Who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Glorious in holiness. Awesome in splendor performing great wonders. Amen to that? Amen? All right, let's read that again. Exodus 15, 11 says, Who is like you among the gods, O Lord, glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor, performing great wonders? So go back to Revelations, Jair, for me, please. Revelations 13. There's three reasons why they worship uh, this being here um, and that's because he gives power the second is because he's great according to what they're saying and third is because uh, well he seems to be strong who can fight against him and go back to exodus there's three reasons why we worship god he's glorious in holiness awesome in splendor and he performs such wonders Amen? These two verses in the word, uh, they correlate, they cross-reference. Anytime that, if you study the word, anytime you look for, for the one in Revelations or this one, it'll cross-reference the other one because of the language, the original language that's in it. So I want to talk to you about reasons why we worship God, but also the confusion that is sort of an underlining in our world today. And not just to diagnose what's going on in the world, because I think most of us can do that. But what are we going to do about it? And from which point are we looking at towards the world and what's happening? It's very easy today to uh, pick sides. It's very easy to uh, create enemies in our mind. It's very easy to build cases against groups of people and to even go to the point of hating or maybe strongly disliking other people in other categories. Amen? But you got to think to yourself, in the book of Revelations here, it's not saying that they're proud of someone or that they admire someone. They're saying that they are actually worshiping someone. This word worship here means to kiss, to, to adore, right? Um, 
and also to, to be on your knees and to also bow down and, and worship. You, you guys understand what worship is. We just did it right now. It's not talking about just the lifestyle of worship where we live daily with our awareness and our heart towards God. This is talking about an act of worship where a group of people, a generation, a population of people are so confused by whatever is going on that I don't plan to talk to you about the end of days. I just want you to see the heart and the confusion of this generation that they go to worship this dragon, which I'm I'm pretty certain, and I, well, I think you would agree, that it's not an actual dragon that they're worshiping. Amen? Yeah, it's, it's not. It's, it's Satan. It's the devil. It's the enemy of our souls. May the Lord rebuke him in Jesus' name. And it's this confusion that's going on. And I asked, when, when, when the Holy Spirit led me to this, I asked, you know, how does a generation, how does a group of people get to a place where they don't know or they're confused or even deceived that they're worshiping Satan. What is it about this thing that people are being led to? For a long time, church culture, not kingdom culture, church culture, preached that Jesus was coming soon, and, and he is, amen? But, but what happens when humans get a hold of a truth Sometimes we make it into a religion and we start to put fear and, and uh, do's and don'ts on the truth of God. We do that even with grace. Even with the new covenant we do that sometimes. We, we make it a religious, a formula in other words. A human formula. Are you with me so far? In the 60s, in the 70s, the 80s, in the 90s when I grew up, that's all we talked about. That Christ was coming, and it's not that, that that's a lie. It's not that that's not true, but we missed uh, living here and now. Because we're not just waiting to get to eternity. We're, we're living in Jesus today. Okay? So in, in, the, in the vision that, I, that, I, that, that the Lord gave us in John chapter 6, verse 40, this is the entire verse. It says, the Father's will is that everyone that sees Jesus would believe in him, have eternal life, and be raised up on the last day. For a long time, people were seeing and believing and waiting to be raised up on the last day. And they quit school. They, they, didn't, they said, I don't, maybe we should get married at 16 and have kids because Jesus is coming soon. You think I'm lying? This stuff happened. And so the church missed living with Jesus today and now to affect the world that we're in. Jesus called us to make disciples of the nations. Amen? So Jesus is, there is a, a great and terrible day that Jesus is coming and we're waiting for him. That great and terrible day. Great for some, terrible for others. The truth, but, but it's seeing, believing I love what the, uh, the message version says. If you read John 6.40 in your own time, that verse, you should live with that verse for a while. If you read it, it says, living a real life with Jesus. It's about living with Christ today. So what happened in the church culture is we created this fear. We created this environment of like, when I was, uh, I was telling this story to somebody, I forgot who. When I was... Um, my parents got married, I think I was nine or eight, I forgot. 
long time ago. And they, uh, they, they went to their honeymoon, of course, right? And they left me with some friends, their friends, not my friends, their friends. But they were nice people. They were a Christian family. And so we're there. I think it was just like, I don't know, maybe a night, to be honest. I don't remember. But the, what I remember is that they showed me a movie. Okay, I was nine years old. And they showed me a movie of the Antichrist. And that this lady wakes up and, and, and Jesus came and all her family is gone. And she stayed because, because she used to, this is the movie, it's not me. Because she used to come in late to church and, and, and fall asleep. I'm not saying because of you, Lisa. I'm not saying, I promise, I promise. <laughs> and, 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 and didn't have a relationship with God and, and didn't obey her husband. You know how that used to go. And, and, and she stayed. And so Jesus came and she stayed. And then she saw, you know, she remembered the sermons of, like, Jesus is coming and all the fear. And then her neighbors, her friends, her neighbors that she had for 30 years got the, the mark of the beast on their forehead. And they wanted to kill her. And, and she didn't want to get the mark. And at the end, they chopped her head off and she died for Jesus, right? I'm nine years old. Nine. Not that this is, this is, this thing is like, not that this is true or not true. That's not the point. The thing is that I was nine years old and they created this fear in my life. Who else felt like that? If we are the bride, if we belong to Jesus, why would I be fearful that he's coming? Amen. If I'm in the boat, if I'm in Noah's ark, why, am I, why do I have fear and terror? Not like reverence and respect. I mean terror that Jesus is coming. So years ago, the Lord spoke to me. Very clearly, he said, people try to understand the second coming of Christ when they haven't even understood the first coming of Christ. Because to understand the first coming of Christ, you have to understand that he died for you. You have to see it. You have to believe him that you're in the family already and that you're the bride of Jesus Christ. That Jesus died for his bride and that the Holy Spirit is preparing his bride. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to trust that. I do trust that. And I said it like that so that we all can feel the same way. I, I want to trust that. I want to trust that. I'm not, I'm not going to live with fear that Jesus is coming. I'm waiting. I'm excited for the groom to come. I'm excited. You ever seen a bride on her wedding day besides the stress? She's excited, right? She's like, oh, this is it. This is it, finally, Pancho, finally. They're excited. That's how we should be about the Lord coming. So they're worshiping this beast, and the Holy Spirit, he engaged me, and he said, can we affect this somehow? Like, this is written in the word, and it's going to happen. But how much of it can we affect in this world today? How many people can we reach around us that can be affected by the gospel where they don't end up in this place or their kids? Because if you affect someone today, you affect their kids and their grandkids and the kids' kids. You affect a generation. How much of this can we affect? Or are we just going to sit here and wait for it to happen? And then point and say, see, it's written in the word. But that's not the mission God has called us to live. He's called us to preach the gospel. And the gospel has power, the Bible says. Put up Revelations again, please. 
It says that they worshiped the dragon, forgiving the beast power. And when I read that, I thought, wow, power, the beast, the dragon, they have power. And then I looked into the word, and it's not actual power like God has power. Of course it's not. This word means influence. And although God can influence, influence, let me tell you a secret. Influence is a lower grade compared to what God can do. We can all influence, including Satan. But God is not here to influence. He's here to save and transform lives. He wants to transform nations. Yes, he can influence, but that's not the ultimate goal. That's like, that's like the lower tier. The, the, the will of God, the desire of God is that he wants to see lives transformed. Families, he desires for all men to be influenced. No, saved. He desires for all men to be saved. This dragon is giving influence, uh, uh, sort of a privilege to influence the masses. Trickery, charisma. Are you with me? This is what uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2.4. He says, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a different power. This is, this is what the Bible calls in Greek dunamis power. This dunamis power, there's really no explanation for it, to be honest with you. All preachers always say is, well, it's God's power. And really what it means is that it's a, a natural power that God comes with. It's not something he, he has access to. It is him. Amen? That's real power. The Bible also says in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is power, power unto salvation. It's not influence. It's power unto salvation. Who else can transform sinners into saints? Amen? Who else can take a sinner and forgive him and turn him into saint, put him in the, in the kingdom of God and transform his and her life? Only God. And that's the message that we have. Look at who they put to influence us in, in just everything. They're not going to put, Hill, hopefully one day maybe, Hillsong or, or Bethel music at the halftime show. Because it's about influence. The culture, the spirit of Antichrist working to influence. Now, I, I'm not just trying to diagnose what's going on. There is an answer to this. There is, the medicine is Jesus Christ. The solution, the answer is Jesus. And the church opening the mouth. Opening our mouth. Anytime that Israel was exiled from their nation or, or they were enslaved by another nation. Every time it was because they had turned their backs on God. It was not punishment from God. 
it was a consequence for not turning their hearts towards God. Because we know that darkness is nothing. It doesn't really exist. It is the absence of God. The absence of light is darkness. Amen? So if the world's hurting, if the world's in turmoil, if the world's in chaos, if the world's confused, and we are here, we can't be absent. Amen? The second thing that Revelations 13.4 says is that who is as great as the beast? Man, when I read that, I was like, wow, that's powerful. That's, those are big words. Because when I think of who's great, I think of Jesus. But when, when there's nothing relevant to Christ in these hearts and minds. They're blinded to the truth. And we have the truth. And we can affect this verse. I know we can affect this verse. I know it will still happen, but we have effect towards it. Who is as great as the beast? It's not talking about, because in the kingdom, greatness means to serve others. Remember when Jesus said, if you want to be the greatest, you must become the servant. You remember that? It's not talking about kingdom greatness, of course. It's talking about position. This, this entity, this being has a great position. It's the, the greatest position that any being can have on earth. According to this verse. It's about position. And, and we live. Man, I got rocked this week. The Holy Spirit was just. Man. We live in the greatest nation on earth. Amen. You agree? I used to agree too. Oops. The Holy Spirit shocked me this week. And I think it's time to repent and change our mind. He said the greatest nation on earth should be the holy nation. The holy nation, you and I. Not greatest in power, humans, humanly speaking. But the greatest in the transforming power of the blood of Jesus Christ. We are the greatest nation on earth because we're the ones that can affect real change. Change. Eternal change. I don't know. Maybe you didn't like that. But this great supposed being is all about position. So we have influence, position. And then the third thing that they say is, who is able to fight against him? Wow. Not only does he have supposed influence and position of greatness, but now he's almighty. There's no one that can destroy this being. The confusion that I'm diagnosing with you today is, 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 is an utter deception that's coming to the earth. But I, I'm not like a doom and gloom person. I believe in Isaiah chapter 60. Let's go to that really fast. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 and 2 for now. Are you there? Amen. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, 
The darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Amen? Let me read that again. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Look, any time that it's looked dark, light has come and shined. It looked really dark when Jesus was dying on the cross. It looked like darkness was winning, but light always shined. Amen? And light won. It also looked dark when the church began in the book of Acts. They were being persecuted. They were being killed. They were trying to shut the message up. It seemed dark. But they prayed for boldness. And they kept preaching. And the Bible says that many were added every single day. Thousands came to the Lord. They began to persecute the church. And the same guy leading the persecution, Jesus came and shined his light upon him. And he gave his life. His name was Saul, became Apostle Paul. And then the Gentiles started to give their life to Jesus Christ. In the middle of darkness, God wants to shine his light. The thing is that his light is us. We are the light of this world. Did you know that? Amen? This guy coming to confuse people. He's defeated. He's, he's done. He's defeated. He's trying to confuse the church in some areas. He's trying to for sure confuse the world, but he's defeated. And we have something to say. We, we can affect this. We can't join in to the culture too much because then it's going to affect us rather than we affecting it. If you notice, the first attack was about power. I believe uh, these three things represent uh, an attack towards Trinity, towards the Godhead. It refers to power as in opposition of the Holy Spirit. In its opposition of greatness towards Jesus Christ because the king's servant became great when he came to serve us. And then it's an attack on the almighty God, our father. Amen. But man, God, God always has a plan. And is as if he saw eternity happening and he saw time happening. And he, and he, and he took this man, this, this man that had grew up in Egypt. And then he took him out into the desert and trained him and spoke to him at a burning bush. You know who I'm talking about, amen? He took Moses, and Moses, after they crossed the Red Sea, the, the people begin to sing a song of celebration. And they begin to declare who God is and why we worship him. And so they, 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 uh, Moses begins to write in Exodus 15, almost like an answer of what's to come. Because God knows that we can affect this situation that's happening right now. That we have a voice, that we have power in what God has given us, which is the gospel. 
And in Exodus 15, 11, as I read to you, and I'll read again, it's the same language. He says, who is like you among the gods with a lowercase g? Those gods that supposedly they think highly of themselves, this, this power of darkness. Who is like you among the gods? Because, see, they had just left Egypt where they had like 20 gods. Each god represented something. So they had like the, the god of the frogs, for example. And all the plagues that God sent was in response to those gods. Oh, you have the, the god of the frogs? Here go a million frogs to see what your god can do. Amen? So they crossed the Red Sea. And all these gods, they had power, by the way. Supposed power, these gods. You remember when Moses brought the staff and he threw it on the ground and it turned into a snake? And the other guys were like, we could do that too? And they threw their staff and they, they turned into snakes? You remember that? And then Moses' snake ate the other snakes. Because God has real power. Amen? Not trickery. Not confusion. And so Moses, this is not just like words, you understand. This is not just words that God is presenting to us here. It's, it's, he's attacking the, the power of darkness, the kingdom of darkness directly as he writes this. He says, who is like, who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Who is like, there is no one like our Lord, Amen. There is no one like God, no one that can change people, no one that can transform and save lives. But the three reasons, I love this because it's in complete contrast of what's in Revelations. Can you put up Exodus, please? He says, who is like you among the gods, O Lord? Glorious in holiness. Now, we know God has power, but the first thing that Revelation says is about power or influence. There's no one holy like God. The essence, the, the essence of God, what makes God God is that He's holy, that He's pure, and holiness means goodness. All the goodness that God has is His holiness. Nothing bad is in God. You understand this? Nothing negative, nothing wicked, no evil thoughts. Therefore, his holiness is his goodness. Man, I hope you're capturing this. I hope you're getting this in your heart. We don't worship God because he has power. We worship God because he's holy and good. Man, I, I want to explode up here. He's not just holy, though. He's glorious in holiness. Glorious. The weight of his holiness. There's angels around his throne. They have six wings. Two wings to cover their feet. Two wings to cover their face. Two wings to fly. And with their mouth, they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. He's always good. He's always holy. He's always God. Always. 
So you might, you might come to church, or you, it might be Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, and you're going through something. You might be going through tough time. You, you may have financial issues, health issues. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change that God is holy and good. Amen. And anytime you feel confused, this is the point here. Anytime you feel confused during the week, turn your heart towards a good and holy God. The reason you feel confused, the reason you feel heavy is because you're paying attention to the issues of life, to the culture. Anytime you turn your heart to what Moses says here, who is like among you, Lord? Who is like you among the gods? No one, for you are holy, God. Oh, when Moses approached the, the, the burning bush, God told him, take off your sandals, for you are in the holy ground. You are on a holy place. Anytime you walk, everywhere you go, it turns into a holy place. Everywhere you go. You could bring the presence of God into your job, into your family, into your school. Anytime you are, you can go into the holy of holies. Because everywhere that you go is a holy place. Not because of us and our work, but because of God in us. He's glorious in holiness. Influence is good. Influence is fine, but it's a lower, lower grade to what God wants to do. He's glorious in holiness. He's awesome in splendor. There's other versions that say fearful in praises. Sometimes when you read the fearful words in, in, in the Bible, it, it, automatically you think the bad stuff. Automatically. But fearful and praises means honor and respect and reverence. That means that, that, you know, we use the word awesome. I use it for a lot of things, right? That burger was awesome, right? That, uh, you know, that shake was awesome. Why is it food? That, that movie was awesome. Uh, you know, everything is awesome for us. But there's only one that's truly awesome. There's only one that, that you ever been in worship and you don't have words? You, you, you've been in the presence of God, and you don't even have words anymore because you're awestruck. You're like, oh, I don't have words. You know when you're in the presence of God. God doesn't need to influence you. The, the preacher doesn't need to use fancy words and, and know all the Greek and, and, and went to school to be a preacher. He don't need none of that if God's there. He's awesome in splendor. Awesome and splendor. The Bible says, This people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. Isaiah 43 21. In other words, we who worship God, we worship Him in spirit and in truth. Amen? We don't worship Him. Uh, because of influence or position of greatness, we worship him because we're connected to him. And we know he's holy. And we know he's awesome in splendor. Splendor means brightness, brilliance. He's, bright, he's brighter than the sun. Bright. Whiter than snow. And finally, he performs, performing great wonders. He performs Great wonders. Wonder, an extraordinary, an extraordinary hard-to-understand thing. 
It literally makes you wonder. That's why people use that joke. Extraordinary, hard to understand thing. God doesn't do wonders to influence, to influence people superficially, but to show that he is God. The disciples were walking with Jesus, and there was a blind man. And the disciples had a, a weird doctrine. They said, Lord, is that man blind because he sinned or because his parents sinned? And in the book of John, chapter 9, verse 3, Jesus says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed on him or in him. The wonders of God might be displayed on him. Why did God heal this man? Yes, it served a purpose of healing this man, but it was also to show that he is God. Everything that God does has a purpose. So here we are, a holy nation that worship a holy God, a God that's awesome in splendor and that performs great wonders. And in the coming future, or even now, people are confused and worshiping other things. And we have the God that can affect those people, that can transform and change those people. I know that there's a generation coming that is going to affect this earth. And I want to be part of it. That we are going to preach the gospel. We're going to see people come to Christ in, in many numbers. The, what's going on on earth today, especially in our nation, is in preparation for what God has planned for this nation. God is preparing this nation for a great revival where people will be so confused and looking for truth that they will find it in Jesus Christ and in his church. I've seen the stadiums full. I've seen the churches packed where people are gathering to worship God and experience him like never before. Not to just hear a sermon uh, 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 of a stale, unspiritual church, but a powerful church anointed with the Holy Spirit. I've seen that church. Amen? And you are that church. And we're not trying to change the church culture. We're trying to affect the church with kingdom culture. Amen? All right, let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Grace and Love podcast. We hope you were blessed by this message. If you have a prayer request, we would love to hear from you. Please feel free to contact us. And if you're in the LA area, we would love to meet you. We have services Sundays at 2 p.m. and Fridays at 8 p.m. We are located at 1900 Medford Street, Montebello, California, 90640. Thanks again, and God bless you.